Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. Book of First Chronicles, chapter 11. First Chronicles, chapter 11. If your neighbor next to you doesn't have a Bible, would you be kind enough to share your Bible with them? Or if they don't have the King James Version translation, make sure you share the King James Version translation with them. We're so excited about what the Lord's doing. Uh, we had a wedding rehearsal here on, on Thursday, and uh, I think it was their Thursday night, and some of our folks came that wanted to go soul winning, and so they didn't have a partner to go with, but they went anyway by faith, and somebody got saved out there in soul winning. And uh, thank the Lord yesterday for some good contacts that Brother Eugene had while he was out soul winning yesterday. And then uh, some of our men just got back and went soul winning, and somebody got saved this afternoon, and we had somebody saved this past Wednesday out there, and we're just working on them. And, you know, when babies get born, it's the maternity war gets very big, and we need a lot of nursing, Amen. And you've got to get them going there. So be in prayer for that. We're just said what God's doing here. And I want to encourage you, on October 28th is our annual Friend Day. And uh, I really want to encourage you as a church, help me to make this, for the glory of God, the largest attended uh, Friend Day we've ever had. I mean, just overflowing. And I'm planning out some things. I'm working some things tomorrow. I'm praying over some things tomorrow. We're going to go out. I've already kind of threw some out things out with the staff. And, but I need total church involvement for that. And just going out of the box and just every every area, just breaking it out there and seeing people come and hear the gospel. And we're very privileged on the... We moved it from October 21st to October 28th because Dr. Tom Farrell is going to be with us preaching. I love to preach evangelistic uh, series like that. But when you have someone like Dr. Farrell come, I don't want to waste the opportunity. And so Dr. Farrell will be preaching. And just recently he preached a friend day for a good friend of ours. They had 35 adults saved in the morning service there. So, you know, I just want to encourage you to have people come. God has blessed him. The gift of the evangelist is to help the local church. He comes alongside the church. He fills in the gaps where we, maybe where we're just, we just, you know, the, the Lord just chooses to use someone like that. And Dr. Farrell will be a blessing to you. We preach together in the Philippines, and, and God used him greatly in the Philippines, and he, God's using him around the country right now. And so he'll be kicking off our revival services during that time. And I'm really praying that God will use him. So you pray for that, if you would, and do everything we can. We'll have flyers out next Sunday. We've got plenty of time. But every Saturday, every Sunday is going to count. And you should have a list of people that you're just going to go back. And you say, well, Pastor, they've come to Friend Day before. Well, tell them it's a new Friend Day. Amen? It is. It's a new Friend Day. Amen? And uh, the new building. Tell them you want to see the new building. Okay? And it's a new, new class, a new place, new things we're going to do. And I'm praying about a number of things like that. So I'm praying all over October some things kind of just off just are not on the schedule that we'll do the musical we just had was off the schedule and god bless it we had over 100 visitors that sunday night and uh, 31 were first time visitors we're trying to get them back to church you pray for that and then i want to encourage you that now we're, we're you know just i was sharing with the morning congregation we had a lady that has only been to our church maybe one or two times in the past she moved up to upstate new york and got follows us watching us by live stream right now and uh, she just just thankful for what God's doing there and sent us a gift for our building right before construction started. And I got a card. It was on my desk uh, this week. And, uh, again, another, not a big gift, small gift, but praise the Lord. You know, I, I think of the widow's might. Amen, you know. And uh, she just sent a gift to help the church there, and we thank the Lord for that. And just said we're praying for the building project. Now, as a church, I want to encourage you that, that that building is God's building. It's not the pastor's building. It's not somebody else's building. It's God's building. And we, we, want, we need to get that thing paid off there. Now, I'm thankful that God has worked through all this, but now we're, we're kind of in that, that process of debt reduction. So I'm praying that God will raise up 400 of our people. Already folks have begun to give. We have some good large gifts and some just $1,000 gifts have come in. We're asking everyone to come. Everyone's an adult, high school student and up. Everyone's an adult. Might have five members in family, 
five people coming, whatever it might be. But let's just all get behind and pray for God to help us to find a way to raise up the $1,000 minimum. If you want to give more, that's, that's fine. But we want to pay off this debt for the glory of God as a good testimony for Christ and just kind of working through that and filling up the classroom. I'm just that thankful that now we're two months into the building that we've been able to start a couple of new classes in that building. And we want to get these classes to grow. We want to fill them up. We're, we're challenging all the classes right now. They've empty seats. Hey, let's get our classes together this month and fill it up there. So let's just, you know, we talked about fishing for men. Let's cast a big net out and uh, get the net out to go off it. Bible fishing is not with a pole. Say amen. Not, it's with a net. Jesus said, bring in a large draft of fishes, okay? Draft means a large number. Jesus is interested in big numbers. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. It's not talking about fisher of men, fishers of men. He's thinking plural. You need to be thinking plural, amen? And we want to be thinking plural for God to do something. You help us with that, that'll be a blessing. First Chronicles 11, say amen if you're there. 15, verse 15. Now three of the thirty captains went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the hosts of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephim. Now put in your margin there, the word Rephim means giant. Whenever you see Rephim, it means giants. The valley of giants. Maybe somebody tonight, you're in a valley where there's a lot of giants. And David was then in the hold, and the Philistine garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed, and he said, Oh, the one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. And the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they took it, and they brought it to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, My God, forbid it me that I should do this thing. And shall, shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the jeopardy of their lives they brought it, therefore he would not drink it. These things did these three mighties. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, he was chief of the three. For lifting up his spear against three hundred, he slew them and had a name among the three. Of the three was more honorable than the two, but for he was their captain. Howbeit he attained not to the next, uh, the first three. And then we read in verse 22 about Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts. Underline that phrase, many acts. God is not interested in us being one-act Christians. Amen? Again and again and again. Outperforming last year. Outperforming last month. And he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high, seven feet, five inches. NBA candidate, amen? And the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with the staff and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and he slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among the three mighties. Behold, he was honored among the thirty, but he tamed not to the first three. And David sent him over his guard. I'm going to preach a message tonight. You've never heard this message before. It's a message entitled, Able Men. It's a Bible phrase. It's a Bible name. And I want to see the components of able men. And frankly, ladies, you can take these same thoughts tonight. We want to apply it. We're at a critical juncture in our church right now. Very important spot in our lives. God needs able men. God needs able men, able women. Our Father, tonight, thank you for the songs we've sung. 
standing up for Jesus, onward Christian soldiers, the banner of the cross. And Father, we're just humbled tonight that we could just serve you. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He talked about being a good soldier. He talked about the fact that no soldier of the war has entangled himself with the affairs of this world. Father, we've had a blessed day in church. Thank you for the lady who's been on our prayer page who got saved today. Before the invitation was given, she was ready to get saved. Thank you, God, for many who identify trials and struggles and circumstances they're in, that they realize that they have a God who doesn't fail them. Tonight, Lord, we need to hear from you, not from me, but from you here, from here from you tonight. I pray for power from on high. I pray for freshness of God. I pray, Father God, for Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3, the Spirit of the Lord God would be upon me tonight. I pray this evening that you'd comfort your people. I think of what the Bible says in Isaiah 40. The Bible says in verse 1, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. I pray, God, that you would, would, Lord, not just comfort your people, but I pray you stimulate your people and stir up your people. And I pray you'd give us things that we need for this week. And when we leave this place, that, God, something would be done greatly for the glory of God. I pray for, Lord, folks tonight who may be here who have not, not trusted Christ as their Savior. Tonight might be the night they get born again into the family of God. We pray tonight that tonight would be the night where God that made a major decision is made. I pray tonight that maybe some young man might be called to be a preacher. God, I pray that tonight be night that God that, that marriages could be strengthened and stirred up. Maybe some young couple might be called to the mission field tonight. Whatever it may be, Lord, you know, and Lord, you're greater than all. And I pray this evening that the Holy Spirit have his way tonight. Be glorified, be lifted up. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Well, for almost two years, we've been on and off a series on First and Second Samuel and First Chronicles. We've kind of focused on, 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 on the theme, the king is coming in First Samuel. In Second Samuel, we've been looking at the king has come, David on the throne. We've been looking at different aspects of David's life and the people in David's life. And tonight in First Chronicles 11, we're back here looking at David's mighty men. I'm not spending a lot of time. Actually, it's probably the last message I'm going to bring about David's mighty men. But tonight, we're getting a closer glimpse at these men who are called mighty men. First Chronicles 11, Second Samuel 23 gives us some insight about these men. And I'm using the phrase that's found out of uh, Exodus chapter 18, where the Bible talks about able men. And we're going to close off with that tonight. But we want to look at able men. Now, I looked at the word able in the Hebrew. It's kind of an interesting word. It's a catch-all word. The word able is used 400-something times in the Old Testament Hebrew. And it's a catch-all word that incorporates everything essential about being proven for God to use. Everything essential about being proven for God to use. And I'm and as I looked at that, I looked at the context of that where God used that word in talking, using uh, Jethro and talking to, 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 uh, to Moses and how he was describing he needed to raise up able men. I thought about that in the context of what we're looking at tonight in Front Chronicles 11. It's a very apt word that we need. It captures the essential idea of the kind of man that God needs, the kind of people God needs to serve him. Thank God for women. And praise the Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that our church is no exception. I thank God for women who are so winners. The Bible talks about... Tell, Paul told, uh, told, told the church at Philippi to help those, those women who helped him in the gospel. And uh, thank God for women who have a heart for winning souls and reaching people for Christ. Thank God for the women. Thank God for women that are like the Phoebes in the Scripture and others like that who serve the Lord. But I'm thankful for men. God needs men. God, we need men to provide the leadership. We need men to go forward. God looked for men to fill in the gap. And there's some gaps tonight. God's looking for some men to fill. God needs men who are, will be godly husbands. And God needs men who will be 
godly fathers and God needs men who are godly church members and set the example. Maybe God just might speak tonight. I just need to be a godly man as a, as a church member tonight. But God needs able men. And we want to look at characteristics tonight about able men. Take your Bible tonight and notice several things. First of all, able men are common vessels. Common men or able men are common vessels. Now, a vessel, we use the term vessel, we're describing a container or receptacle. We're talking about something that has a suitable purpose. Now, when you read your Bible, the word vessel has the idea of something made out of clay or pottery that's going to be used to contain water or some other some other content. It's a container. It's a receptacle. <clears throat> It's a fitting word that describes a specific usage. Now, a common vessel speaks about these men. Notice these men that David had. Those men were no different than you and I. Notice these men were vessels of clay. These men were vessels like you and I. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of men. The phrase I focus your attention on is earthen vessels. They were vessels of clay. Earthen vessels start Start off with just clay that are in the hands of a potter. And the potters he's working in, he starts to shape and form it into a vessel that he has in mind. The potter has in mind a specific vessel. It may be a different shape for this one, a different shape for this one, a different shape for this one, a different function. But he has in mind a vessel that he's going to use. And the potter has in mind a vessel that does not buck him, that does not fight him, but a, bu- but a vessel that basically that he makes. Now sometimes a vessel will get marred and broken, but it can be remade, praise God. It can be redone. We know that as the book of Jeremiah speaks to us about that. But these are vessels of clay. Notice 2 Timothy verse chapter 2 verse 20. But in a great house are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but listen to this, but also of wood and of earth and of some of honor and some to dishonor. These men who came to David, when they first came to David, they were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discontented. They didn't come to David because they just wanted to complain. They looked to David to be a leader. They came to him. They saw what David was able to do during that brief time he was overseeing many of, of, of Saul's men and they said you know what we need a leader like that who's stable and a leader that's trusting God and a leader has faith in God and they came of all places when he was in the most lowest point of his life when he was at the cave of Adullam and they came there and David took that as his responsibility to shape and mold those men <coughs> they were vessels of clay clay vessels I realized that the potter is in control these men as we look at them tonight were vessels of clay the starting point for us tonight are we someone that God God is able to mold. I'm thankful the song we sang tonight. Are ye able, said the master. Would you let the master mold you? Would you let the master have control of you? These were vessels of clay. But notice something else. They were vessels that were called. Would you notice some things in First Chronicles about these men? These men had a specific calling to David and for David. Notice chapter 11, verse 10. These also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had. Would you notice this phrase here? Who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. These men came. They strengthened themselves with him. They had a calling to David. They had a calling to strengthen themselves for the kingdom. They didn't come alongside of David to promote their own agenda. They came alongside of David to strengthen themselves for the kingdom. These men came. They had a calling. Look at First Chronicles twelve eighteen. Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, who was chief of the captains, and he said, Thine are we, David, and on thy side, thou son of David. 
peace, peace be unto thee, and peace be to thy helpers, for thy God helpeth thee. Then David received them and made them captains of the band. These men had a calling. I refer to you this evening to a man who had a specific calling. In fact, the calling came to him at the moment of his conversion. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Your vessel has a calling. Do you know what your calling is? Has God extended a calling to you? For many of us here tonight, in fact, all of us tonight, our calling is just to live for Jesus Christ. Amen? To represent the Lord and, and serve Him. Hey, our calling tonight is to be fishers of men. Our calling tonight is to be on our faces before God in prayer. But there might be some tonight, God has worked your heart. Your calling might be to the gospel ministry, to some man to serve God as a preacher of the gospel. These men were vessels of clay. And these men were vessels were called. But you notice they are vessels that need to be cleansed. Again, going back to 2 Timothy 2, verses 20-22, the Bible, the Bible talks about this. The Jews knew that when, a, when something was to be used for the service of the Lord, and we see this in 2 Timothy 2, when they put something in the house of God, these vessels had to be set apart, they had to be sanctified, specifically for the usage of God's service. Notice again, but in a great house are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in me for the master's use, and prepared unto every Every good work. Flee also youthful lust, and that follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I like you to focus on verse 20. The Bible says here, but of them, but if a man therefore purge himself from these, hey, one of the great things we can do tonight is to evaluate the vessel we have. Is this vessel in need of cleansing? Is this vessel impure? Un, un, this vessel need to be purified. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. I want to encourage us tonight. Let's examine our vessels. Is our vessel clean? Is our vessel useful? Is our vessel honorable? Is our vessel pleasing to God? We need to examine that vessel tonight. It needs to be a vessel and honor set apart from the Lord. I'm just saying tonight, as we look at these able men that came to David, these were men who, these were men who were common vessels. Hey, God can use anybody. Some young men here tonight, God can use you. Older people here tonight, God can use you. No matter who we are tonight, you're married, God can use you. You say, I've messed up, God can still use you. You say, I've, I've, I've gone backwards in time, but I want to go forward. God can use you. God is looking and needs some common vessels that He can use for His glory. We see able men are common vessels. Notice, secondly, able men are not only common vessels. Able men have captured vision. Now tonight, we need to capture some vision. Amen? Where there be no vision, the people perish. Now would you consider some things about vision tonight? Vision is our ability to see things that can and should be. That can and should be. Hey, you know, tonight we need more churches in this area. We need to have a vision for churches. We need more missionaries sent out. We need a vision for missionaries. We need a vision of seeing our building filled up. All of our rooms filled up. We need a vision of people walking with God and living for Christ. Hey, you ought to have a vision tonight. Everybody in this room, you've got unsaved family members. You've got a mother. You've got a father. You've got a brother. You've got a sister. You've got a son. You've got a daughter. Somebody you know. Every one of us needs to have a vision for unsaved family members to get saved. Vision is the ability to see things that can and should be. We need to have a vision beyond us. Vision is seeing the invisible. Vision is seeing the marching orders for accomplishing something that needs to be done. Would you notice some things about these able men? First of all, these men captured the vision of David. 
They captured the vision of David. Look at verse 10 again. The Bible says, they strengthened themselves together with him in his kingdom. Now, as they assembled with him there in the cave of Dulam and started following David, they started realizing, we've got to know exactly what does David, what does God want David to do? We've got to strengthen ourselves with him to get that vision done. These men came to David. They had big egos. I mean, when we read some of the exploits and the deeds these men, these were men that were heroes in their own right. And they had big egos and they could have butted heads continuously with David. We don't see that happening. Now, every now and then, Abishai got David a little annoyed because he was a little rambunctious and kind of jumped ahead of the curve. But in spite of all that, David trusted him over his men. And he was the second set of the three mighties. And Abishai did some mighty things, as we'll see in a minute here. But these men had big egos. Listen, there's not a lot of room in God's work for a lot of big egos. We're not trying to build our name and leave our legacy. We're lifting up Jesus Christ on high. When it's all said and done for, people don't worry about who was there and who did that. What they're more concerned with, what did God do down there that day? When you go home tonight and put your head on the pillow, you need to ask yourself the question, what did God do here today? What did God do in my heart? And these men, had a, they captured the vision that, that Dave, of David. These men surrendered their personal ambitions and the, for the, the bigger vision could be accomplished. Look at First Chronicles 12, verse 38, would you please? All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel and all the rest also of Israel of one heart to make David king. Hey, they had a vision of, of, of they had the they captured the vision of David. And by the way, if you look at chapter 12, verse 20, I thought it was kind of interesting. These men, they were men that could keep rank. They came with a perfect heart to Hebron. Hebron means fellowship and to make David king. Hey, you know what? Our desire is to lift Jesus up. That's our vision. Yes, you don't have to have a worry about all the different different things that are part part of the vision. Just one thing. Is Jesus being lifted up? Is he being lifted up through the preaching? Is he being lifted up through the singing? Is he being lifted up through our service? Is he being lifted up in our community? Is he being lifted up through so many? Is he being lifted up through our lives? Is he being lifted up through our devotion? I mean, we just have to ask all those questions. Is Christ getting the glory in all those things? Amen. And so we look at that tonight. We see able men are lifting up Jesus Christ, that capacity there. The vision of David was advancing the kingdom. That's what we see these men doing. But notice, secondly, these men captured a vision for David. Now, this is one thing to capture the vision of David. It's another thing to capture the vision for David. Now, David is always a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as we look at him in situations like this. And notice chapter 11, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, and David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water, the well of Bethlehem's at the gate. Hey, can you imagine David? He's there. He's homesick for Bethlehem. He's homesick for the water of Bethlehem. He tried the water there around the brooks and the springs, around the cave of Dulem. But there was that one day he was just kind of praying, maybe as devotions, talking out loud. And he's thinking, man, this water is good, but it's not as good as the water of Bethlehem. It doesn't, the, the springs are different for the waters of Bethlehem. And he longed to go back home to Bethlehem. But the Philistines had a garrison. They had a hole there. And where that well was at, as we read our Bible, was right there at the gate. And the Philistines stood at the gate. And he was asking for something that, something that required much heroism and much risk. He said, oh, the one would give me water from the well at Bethlehem that, that is at the gate. And I wonder tonight, have you asked Jesus, Jesus, what is on your heart? What's on your heart, Lord? You ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, that would be a good question for us to ask as we have our prayer time. Lord, what is on your heart that you want me to do? And David said here, I long for the waters of the well of Bethlehem. And I don't know if it was just wishful thinking his part. I'm not really sure if it was a prayer request he made. Now notice verse 18. And the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured out to the Lord. What captures my attention, these men captured the vision 
for David. They said, if that's what the Lord wants, if that's what our king wants, then we're going to go and get it. We're going to have it happen. Hey, do you understand something tonight? If the Lord says we need missionaries, and the Lord says we need to win souls, and the Lord says we need to start some churches, how about we capture the Lord's heart and just go and do it, amen? Might be some risk involved, and might be some cost involved. It might mean to shed some blood. It might be some some long walks we've got to take with Jesus. But let, hey, if that's what the Lord's on the Lord's heart, we should just go and get that done. Listen tonight. Many times we get more caught up with serving, we forget about the Savior. I'm amazed at the conflicts we have in our hearts. We got a problem over here with this thing, and so we decide what's well, more important for me. I got to take care of this problem. Then I need to get my heart encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, when serving is more important to you than the Savior, it's time to re- reevaluate our priorities in our heart. Amen. Amen. If you don't miss being out of church, there's something wrong with this old ticker here. Amen. You don't miss your prayer time. There's something wrong with this old ticker here. If, if, if you're, you're caught up and, and you're just getting all upset because of Kavanaugh hearings and all that, and you're not thinking about, I wonder what God thinks about the matter more than what I think about the matter. There's something wrong. I say tonight we have to think about those things. Hey, listen, many times we get more caught up with ministry, we forget all about the master. Hey, these men could have gone there and they could have said, well, let's go get that water for David because think of what that would have done for our resume. They didn't think of that. They said, listen, our king needs some water. He just said he wanted the water from the well at Bethlehem. It maybe was wishful thinking. And the Bible says the three got together and there were three big eagles that got their act together. They went down there with prayer. They thought, they thought it out. They planned it out. They covered each other's backs. They made sure that none of them were taken out. And, and two probably fought. One got the water and then they got the water and they took off and made their way. They came back with the water. And when David looked at it, he says, wow, look what these men did. These are men that jeopardized their lives just to bring me back the water from the well of Bethlehem. Hey, Jesus, looking for some mighties whose names are not even mentioned, who will just be anonymous about the situation, that will take some risks, do some things, and honor God by what they do. I'm just saying tonight, these able men captured vision. Hey, able men are common vessels, and able men captured vision. But you notice something else. Go back to our pastor tonight. Notice able men have courageous valor. They knew what they were getting into when they joined David. Tell some of your Christian, you start losing friends real fast. Man came to my office years ago. I told the story for him. Used to rap a little bit. He came to the office and said, man, the Lord's been working my heart. He said, Pastor, I, I, but I got to tell you something. I got these friends. They were, they were there for me when I was down. Yeah, I'm afraid, man, if I, if I show my colors for Jesus Christ, that, 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 that these, that, 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 I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I say, hey, brother, let me tell you something here. You just tell them you're a Christian. They'll make that decision for you. They'll leave you. They'll leave you. These men, they knew they had to accept some big risks if they were going to, if they're going to, if they're going to live for David and come alongside David. These men were men of courageous valor. Notice some things about these men. Notice verses 11 to 14. All of these men were defenders. All of them were defenders. Notice in verse 11, it says this, it says, and it says, and this is the number of the mighty men whom David had, Jehoshaphat and Hakmonite, the chief of the captains, he lifted up his spear against 300 slain by him at one time. 
And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Aoite, who was one of the three mighties. He was with David at Pastamen, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where, where was a parcel ground full of barley, and the people fled from before the Philistines, and they set themselves in the midst of that parcel, and delivered it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Now watch what's happening. Each of these men are defending something. Now, so we live in a day and time, everybody wants to change something. They want to change the doctrine. They want to change the church. They want to change the music. They want to change their body. Hey, let's just start defending something. Amen. Remove not the ancient landmark, the Bible says. Amen. Landmarks, if you remember, landmarks were established boundaries, established that that land was an inheritance that was passed down from family to family to family. Hey, listen, the apostolic doctrine we have in our possession is the same thing Jesus passed the apostles and the apostles have passed down to us. Nothing's changed. Soteriology's not changed. Hemertheology's not changed. Listen, pneumatology's not changed. Listen, none of the doctrines of the scriptures changed. But what's the problem today? We've got people that are monkeying around with the Bible, monkeying around with their doctrines. They read some knucklehead that writes, gets a new thought or inspiration about it. And so they believe that book instead of believing this book. And they don't realize what they're doing. They're going off a tangent. Listen, you don't go to Bible college or go to seminary to get your mind messed up. You go there to get your heart right with God. So when you get out of there, you do something great for God. They're defenders. Hey, guys, don't leave me hanging here. Don't leave me to be the only one defending the faith and defending these things. Hey, listen, we need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Somebody comes in and wants to whisper around some different kind of doctrine, some new kind of fangled thing they read that some other author read. I don't care what the popular author is of day. I just know one thing. I better know the author of the Bible really well. And so they were defenders. I'll tell you something about how we act with people. Our nature is to complain. Preaching is too loud. Preaching is too strong. Too much this. I know everything that's been said. The birds fly around and tell me about these things. Amen. Read Ecclesiastes. You know what happens if you're a Sunday school teacher? You sympathize with that kind of stuff. Did they hear a lot of amens about that, teachers? You know I'm right. Oh, you're too tough about standard. No, I'm not. Bible, the Bible preaches and says something about modesty. Oh, pastor, you don't realize there's a culture war going on. Yeah, I know there's a culture war. And here's what the Bible says. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes of pride, is not of the Lord, but of the world. And by the way, I just reminded you tonight, friendship with the world is enmity with God. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. Listen, all my friends and all these guys are shifting their music. They're going off this thing and they're doing this thing and that thing. Listen, I just tell you tonight, the hymns have never failed us and they will not fail us. Oh, you don't realize, Pastor, it's too hard. I just come in Sunday morning, it's too hard. Yeah, you know why it's too hard? Because you're, you didn't come to church to love God. Got one of our ladies' discipleship classes. Got some people in the ladies' discipleship arguing with the teacher about the fact that we can lose our salvation after they've gone through letter A. They didn't do their homework. And by the way, the homework is not man-inspired. It's all Scripture. I mean, I can't think of an easier discipleship than the fact that your answers come out of the Word of God. Amen? Come on. They were defenders. 
Some of you, some of you go back 19 years ago, this church started. We had to fight for some things to keep this church going. Not everybody stays on the same page. I like to think that every preacher I associate, everybody that's out there, that we're the same. But sometimes things change. The Bible tells me to know the state of my flock. I don't have to worry about somebody else's flock. I have to know the state of this flock. They were defenders. And when somebody gets off and starts criticizing about things and getting off hot and heavy, they tell you all the criticism. How about you take a stand and say, well, first of all, you're wrong. And if you really feel like that, if you really feel that way, let's go see the pastor and sit down with the pastor. You tell them exactly what you just told. I promise you they'll change their line as soon as they come see me. Or they'll tell you, I don't think I want to go see him. They're defenders. Hey, look at what these guys defended. Hey, they defended a parcel of ground full of barley, verse 13. Barley field. Now I like barley soup because it's good for my health. Amen. When I was in my 20s, I wouldn't have thought about drinking barley, but I like it because it's good for my health. I got bad cholesterol, I got to get my cholesterol down, amen? Others looked at that barley field and said, forget it. It's not worth defending. Hey, sometimes you look at it and you look at, you look at everything we got to do, and you says, it's not worth defending. I think I'll find a church that's less confrontational. Well, don't think so. I think I want to find a church that doesn't emphasize winning souls as much. Well, go ahead. And then you'll be looking one day at Revelation chapter 3 where you're going to read. It says, strengthen the things that remain because there's some things dying there. They said, let the enemy have it. And you notice these defenders, they fought to the end because they said, that's a landmark. We're not letting the landmark go. It stays in the family. It stays in the church. They were defended. But notice something else, verses 15 to 24. Notice they were daring. I spent some time meditating on this a little bit this week, and man, it just, God was working all over me on this. I mean, look at this. I mean, three of these guys, three, three men against thousands, watch this, for, I don't even have water, a cup of water. Three men risked their lives for a cup of water. Well, Jesus is the water of life. If that's what it takes, I'd do something to get the water of life for my life. Amen. We got three men here that would risk their lives for a bottle of water. I can't get 30 people to show up on a Saturday to come wash, clean up the house of God. I can't, I can't get 100 people here on a given Saturday sometimes just to come give God 30 minutes to just go pass us some tracks and win some souls to Christ. Not being over, I'm just telling you tonight, listen, you look at these three men. These men were daring. They said, well, whatever it takes, we're going to do what we can to get a cup of water to, to, our, to our king there. I mean, what are you willing to do for Jesus? Look at, look at those three minds, but look at Benaiah. And the Bible says here, he did many acts. I mean, he fights and kills two lion-like men of Moab. He fights and kills a lion in a pit on a stone. And just to visualize that, can you imagine, first of all, going in a pit with a lion? I'm talking about a lion. 400 to 500 pounds. You ever seen the paws of a lion? Paws of a lion are about the size of your chest. You ever seen them open their mouth? You don't want to see them open your mouth. First, their breath is bad. Amen, you know? And then going in a pit on a snowy day. On a snowy day. 
I got a bad enough time going on snow when it's, when it's just normal snow, but in a pit on a snowy day. I mean, this, this guy goes down there and he takes this lion on. You know what he did? He thought about, somebody might fall in that pit and somebody needs to take that lion out. I don't want somebody to get hurt. I, I'll take care of that lion. He already sized the line up and said, I'm going to get it done. He sized up the project. Hey, a lot of us look at the projects. We look at something like a friend day. We look at a missions conference. We look at the anniversary coming up 20 years. And we say, it's too big. It's like two lion-like men of Moab. It's like a lion in a pit on a snowy day. We say, I don't want no business with it. But that's not the spirit of a Benaiah. A Benaiah is daring. He says, I'll take it on. I'll do what nobody else wants to do. I'll take that on. I might lose during the process, but I'm going to go in and do it anyway. Notice something else here. Then to top it off, here comes this big Egyptian, a man of great stature, the Bible says. Five cubits size, seven feet, five inches tall. Have you ever stood next to a seven foot, five inch tall person? We had a man came to our church, six foot, eight inches tall. Some of you might remember, he came to our church, he went through so many. He came up, and I looked at that guy, I said, hey man, do you play basketball? He said, I used to. I said, man, you missed your opportunity, amen? And I looked at him, you know what? You know what's the problem when you look at a guy like that? When you talk to him, you can't talk to him this way. You've got to look up like this the whole time. Yeah, but you imagine a guy that's even tall than that, seven feet, five inches tall. And here's Benaiah. Maybe Benaiah was 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, I'm not really sure. But Benaiah was substantially shorter than this man. And he went down. The Bible says he went down against that guy with a staff. And he took him out. And he, and he plucked the spear out of this man's hand and beat him with his own spear. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at, I look at these guys. They were daring. They, were, they, they took on the heroes from the other side. They took on the hardest problems and solved them. They took on the strongest and fiercest of the enemy and defeated. Hey, listen, Bible heroes exercise faith. They didn't say, bring me something simple, something easy. They said, whatever the hardest task is, God will give me the faith and God will give me the courage. God will give me the valor to get it done. These aren't small victories. They're big victories. We're daring, but notice they were determined. Listen to this. Do you notice Benaiah? Nobody joined Benaiah. Do you notice nobody joined Abishai? Do you notice the three heard of it? And uh, there were more of David's men. David at that time had 600 mighty men. Where were the other 597? How come Jehoshabim, how come he had to fight, fight 800 men at one time, 300 men another time? How come Eliezer the Dodo, the, excuse me, not the Eliezer the Dodo, the son of Dodo, Excuse me. Excuse me. How come Eliezer is the only one that saw David by himself? He said, I got to help my king. They were determined. They didn't wait to see who would be the first out. They were the first out. These new encounters pushed them, but they went out. They were men who were first. They were men that were faithful. They were men who would fight. And by the way, they stayed with it even to the finish. They just said, I want, you know, I'm going to get the job done. And listen, what a great, what a great thought here tonight. These men of courageous valor, these men just went on and they stayed with it. They exercised great heroism. Now, a lot of times we think of heroism while I've got to shed some blood, things like that. You know what a great hero is? A great hero is just living for Jesus Christ. Honoring the Lord, being faithful to God, not skipping on things. Hey, I just see these men. They were common vessels. They captured vision. They had courageous valor. But you notice something else that stands out. They were consistently victorious. Hey, read, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Jehoshabim was undefeated. 
Eliezer was undefeated. Benaiah was undefeated. In fact, we read more of his many acts later on in 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2. Listen, he got put into a very difficult position as, as King David was transitioning out and Saul was becoming king. He had to deal with some traitors in David's army. He had to deal with Joab. Everybody was scared of Joab except Benaiah. But Benaiah watched him. He waited his time. When the time he came, when he got the permission, he told Joab, as Joab was holding on to the horns of the altar, he said, you blew it, buddy. He dealt with David's spoiled son, Adonijah. He dealt with Shimei. I mean, he dealt with all, he dealt with all those difficult things. It wasn't that nobody else wanted to deal with it. It's just the fact he says, listen, nobody wants to do it. Fine, I'll take care of it. It's not a problem. I'd love to do it. I love serving my king. By the way, that's a good attitude. I love serving my king. Amen? Abishai was undefeated. Benaiah was undefeated. Notice some things the Bible says. The Bible says, verse 14, the Lord gave them a great deliverance. It says over in the, the passage we read last week, Second Samuel, that the Lord gave them the victory. The Lord wrought a great victory. These men were consistently victorious. You know, I just found something true about able men. When their hearts are right, they want to live for God. You know what happens? They just step out and they live for... We're, we've been going through, in the Chinese-speaking department, we're going through the life of Joseph. We're going through Genesis here and having a blast through that in the Chinese-speaking department. And Joseph, every time I read Joseph, just something about Joseph inspires me about that man because he just was living for God. You can't ask for a guy that had more of a difference difficult situation Joseph and yet he's standing out and living for God and I think about the fact what makes Joseph a hero to me was that in the midst of temptation when most men would have fallen Joseph ran away and he said this statement how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God and what makes him more astounding he was in Egypt because if he had sinned down there and committed that immorality of that woman nobody would have cared they would have said, welcome to the crowd. He said, no, I'm different. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a son of God. I don't belong there. My father gave me a coat of many colors. That coat of many colors represents that I'm a son of somebody important. By the way, if you're saved, you're a son of somebody important tonight. I said this to the Chinese department today. I said, listen, he went, now he had a new coat on. He went down to Egypt. He no longer had his father's coat because that got ripped off and torn. And they could rip off and tear your coat, but they can't take away your sonship. And he put on a service coat, and that service coat represented character and truthfulness and honesty, and represented he represented he was a, he was he was somebody that belonged to somebody important. He was Potiphar's slave. He was bond slave there. And listen, Potiphar's wife, she she went after him. She grabbed him by the garment. She said, "Well, if I can't get you to, if I can't defy her this way, I've got another way I'll defy." Her. And she got his garment. She took him by the garment. And listen, he left his garment in her hands. He ran off, and her garment was in his hand. Hey, listen, if the devil can't get you to succumb, the devil's going to do another thing. He will destroy your character, your reputation in a heartbeat. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Hey, I like the fact the apostle Paul identified with these men of courageous valor. He said, he said another time in Acts chapter 20, none of these things move me, neither count on my life, daring to myself. Able men are consistently victorious because they fight the real enemy and not each other. There's one last thing we're done tonight. Able men are common vessels. Able men have captured vision. Able men have courageous valor. 
Able men are consistently victorious. Watch this tonight. Able men are candidly validated. These men were proven. I know I sound like a broken record, but you know what? God wants us to be proven. Prove thyself. How can you dare ask, or I can ask, or you ask, anybody of us, ask for a position we haven't proven ourselves? How can we ask to do something of a nature for the Lord when we haven't proven ourselves? Look at Exodus 18.21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people. Remember, Moses was judging people from sun up, sundown. Jethro came along. Jethro, Jeth- a lot of Moses' wisdom came from being out, being along a shepherd. He said, what are you doing? You're going to wear yourself out. And you're going to wear the people out. You're trying to be a one-man job. Hey, listen, the goal in ministry is not how much you can do. The goal in ministry is to equip the other people around us so they can get involved and they can learn the joy of tasting and seeing the Lord is good and getting more people involved and more people doing things for the Lord. And he said over in Exodus 18, 21, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covenant. Hey, guys, men, there's, there's your threefold criteria. There's your threefold criteria. Fear God, love men of truth, hating covetous, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties. Rulers. So how did he decide that? Well, now God gave him the criteria. He could easily determine from all the men he had who would be best suited in these situations. Acts chapter 6, proven men are men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Able men. God needs able men. We live in a society, people say, let somebody else do it. We live in a society where we're now, even among our Christian church, Christian circles, where we get this idea, I'll do it if I have a team with me. Why don't you do it? Because God gave you a calling. I'm not against teams, but I notice a lot of these people that, about, that, that form a team, they won't do it unless they have a team. Get some, get, just ask God to put in your heart, desire to, let's get it done. Able men. Tonight, very simple this evening. David had these men. They're a bunch of nobodies. A bunch of misfits when they came to him. And I'm not sure I could say it could get attributed all to David's leadership development, but David inspired them. You know what? If you study Jesus and get around Jesus, there's just something about Jesus that inspires you to go higher and higher and higher. Amen. To be inspired to do something for the Lord. I encourage you tonight, very simple thought, able men. By the way, able men, always the starting point for able men is they realize they must have a relationship with their king. The relationship with the king begins when you realize you're a sinner who needs to be saved. These men came, they were distressed, they were in debt, they were discontented. They had to get their lives in conformity with David. Now, I'm going to say this, I'm done. Getting your life in conformity to Christ doesn't save you. You need to get converted. You need to get saved. You need to get Christ in your heart. There must be repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. We must realize we're sinners on the way to hell. We need to get saved. We call upon Jesus to save us. That's purely and simply what we need to do. We need to ask the Lord to save us from our sins. And once we've done that, we become sons of God. To as many as received and to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. God does not delight in us being just kind of out there and doing nothing. 
something. God, get involved. Just point yourself forward and get involved and say, Lord, I want to be an able man. God, I, I, maybe this area, I just need to realize my vessel needs to be clean. Or maybe it needs to be here. Lord, I want to capture your vision for my life. Or maybe it's over here. You need to say, Lord, I need to be like Benaiah. I need to have this courageous valor. Or maybe over here, we realize that we've had defeat after defeat after defeat. We have to say, hey, Lord, I, I want to see consistent victories in my life. And maybe more important than that is we're going along the way. It's just say, Lord, would you validate me? Would you help me to have a life that's validated, that, 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 my, that my actions in my life, when I am in private, when I am in public, validates one another, that I demonstrate that I'm living for Jesus Christ? What it may be tonight, I invite you. If you're not saved, we invite you tonight to call on the Lord to save you from your sins. And secondly, tonight, though I know I'm talking to a wonderful group of people in our church and the cream of the crop, maybe tonight, maybe your heart is a little bit vacillating, maybe you're a little bit double-minded about what you're doing. I encourage you tonight just to get your heart in tune with the Lord and say, God, I want this evening that, Lord, you help me to be that able man, just like these men were, men who are men who feared God, men of truth, hating covetous, just like these men we saw tonight, and be an able man, be an able woman, be an able son, be an able daughter, just be able for the Lord to use you. Father, tonight as we give the invitation, thank you this evening for the Lord, Jesus Christ, who is our example. God, who is the benchmark for our lives. He's, he's the captain of our salvation. He's the king of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for, the, for these, uh, uh, these men here, like Benaiah and Abishai and Jehoshabim and, uh, and uh, Lord Eliezer and, uh, God, all of these men who and the three mighties and, uh, Lord, their, their deeds and their exploits, which seem almost just extraordinary in our minds. But, Lord, these are true events and real men. And uh, men, perhaps, were that if, if they didn't have these opportunities, we wouldn't have had these, the, the, these things written in Scripture. But, Lord, we see these opportunities there and present. Father, have your way tonight. Would you raise up some able men? Would you raise some men who have a heart for God, desire to be used of you, who take a stand, who, Lord, be determined, who will be daring, Lord, who will be defenders of the faith. And God, I pray this evening that you light a fire in our hearts to please and honor Christ. Someone here tonight may not be saved. Before they leave tonight, I pray they put their faith and trust totally and exclusively in your son, Jesus Christ, to be saved. I wonder tonight how many around the room God spoke to you this evening about being an able man, about being an able woman. You'd raise your hands, Pastor, pray for me. God spoke to my heart about being an able man. I need able men. God's looking for some able men. You say, I'm there already. Really? Have you done many acts? Have you stood the ground to defeat 800 like Joshua Beam? Would you defend that barley ground for the Lord? I wonder tonight if there's some able men here tonight. I wonder if there's an able man who'll say, I'm going to go to the mission field. There's an able man that says, I'll, I'll go, Pastor, you'll send me. God got God, God put the call of preaching. I'll go start a church somewhere. It might be just to fill up your class. You'd be able man to fill up your class. Able man to get somebody in church next week. And then secondly, tonight, is there somebody here this evening, you're not sure you're saved? Your heart of hearts, you know that you're not 100% sure that your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven. I invite you tonight, would you call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you? You say tonight, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to get saved tonight. Anyone like that tonight? Father, this evening, bless the word that's been preached tonight. We pray that you refresh our souls, work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you tonight that the Holy Spirit is taking the sword of your word and thrust it through to work in us. May you be glorified tonight as the invitation is given. We pray for this now, Lord, of you in Jesus' name. Let's stand as you stand. Make your way forward if God has spoken to you. If you need to get saved, come see us now. We'd like to take the, God, the word of God shout to get saved. You need to come. God's looking for some able men and some able women. Be able tonight. You come tonight. Oh, we have timidity, we have fears, we have uncertainties, we listen to a lot of voices. We need able men, old and young, married and single. Hey, there's nobody here God cannot use. God can use anybody here tonight. We saw them in 2 Timothy 2. 
a great house or vessel of gold and of silver and wood and of earth, some of honor, some of dishonor. But man, therefore, purge himself with these. And one of our vessels need to get clean tonight. But man, therefore, purge himself from these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. How about tonight? How about tonight? Are you saved? Know for sure you're going to heaven? I invite you tonight to call on the Lord to save you. Would you do that tonight? stanza tonight which at the altar able men the songwriter asked are you able said the master father tonight we thank you for this encouraging inspiring passage of scripture that touches us it speaks to us these men went against the odds These men were anomalies compared to the rest of their society. There were misfits that Saul and the rest of his men didn't want. Abner didn't want them. But God, you wanted them. And God, they came at a low point in their life to a man who was at a low point in his life. They came to David who felt like when he's at the cave of Dulem that no man cared for his soul. And there David was inspired to encourage these men and lead these men. And Lord, we see the growth that came, that that group grew from 400 to 600. And now we get to over here to First Chronicles 11 and Second Samuel 23. And Lord, we see the enlisting of these men, men who came from different areas and different groups of people. I mean, Gentiles along with Hebrews. Some of them lost their lives. Some of them paid a great price. But all of them, Lord, they stayed right there. Faithful, determined men, daring men. Lord, would you help us tonight that we don't let circumstances and age and family and inexperience, a lack of knowledge or too much knowledge, be an impediment to being able men and able women we realize tonight we can't work this up in the flesh it must be a work of God tonight as we go home I pray that you bless this week to be a very very outstanding week for all of us God our devotions our cup is overflowing answers to prayer the hand of God in our lives and God even to set things in motion as we look forward to next Sunday a great day in God's house God, that we just pray that the place would overflow with the blessings of God and the hand of God on our lives. Dismiss with your blessing. Meet every need tonight. Thank you for loving us and encouraging us. We commit all this to you, Lord, tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.